Uh, no. We shall start our Colossians chapter 2. Verse 9. First, and I do believe tonight. And uh, I'll tell you, verse 9, which follows the passage dealing with philosophy that we talked about, empty deception, tradition of men, elementary principles, rather than according to Christ. And remember that uh, during that time that Paul is making an argument that there is... Oh, are you asking about Debbie? She, she got a ride She'll be with here about the time we leave. Oh, okay. <laughs> she rode with somebody and they went back up to her farm, her parents' farm or something. They didn't have it back in times when she was saying. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean Yeah, there was a deal with the selling of the land that she had Sunday and then she went up there and uh, checked it out. What she, what, What's hers? And, and uh, she's on her way back with somebody, so she called, said, I may make it back before you're done. But my, that's the reason my car is here. So we thought that maybe she might have gotten abducted. <laughs> something, but... The Lord came for her. That's what. Oh, <laughs> Okay. Well, verse nine. Then, on the heels of the, that philosophy and all the false teaching that was coming in, verse nine then talks about the deity of Christ. Matter of fact, it may be right at the top of the greatest statement of the deity of Christ here, meaning that He's God. Uh, and we might hit quite a few verses uh, on that tonight because it's always good to refresh ourselves or to gather up some verses that we can have for defense of the uh, argument that Jesus is God. Of course, uh, non-Christians can say that Jesus is not God, but Christians cannot say that. They have no option. Matter of fact, nobody has an option to say that Jesus is not God. Jesus is God. The thing is that uh, he, he is. And uh, this is a great statement uh, right here in Colossians 2.9. And that's, that's the uh, argument that uh, Paul is putting forth. We don't need philosophy. Why? Well, uh, if he is all there is of God, then he's complete. We're complete. We don't need anything else. And that's what he's building up in his argument here. He's the head over all, every spiritual being, and that includes you know, the angelic beings, the principalities, the powers, and He has the fullness. So it says in verse 9, For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Deity meaning uh, Godhead. He is, it's dealing with God. And bodily form means that, you know, of course, He came in... Uh, person that's uh, always been eternal, but he also came in the form of man, as uh, Philippians 2, chap- uh, chapter 2 of Philippians talks about. This is about the fullness of Christ and the Pleroma. Anyway, uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us, and all that you provide us with, and everything that we need, and as we look at this precious passage tonight, praise you that you have revealed yourself through the person of Jesus Christ in 
bodily form, he came to prove who you are as he was crucified and then rose again, and that resurrection is a proof of that. Anyway, we thank you that you have revealed him in his fullness, not just through visions and dreams and just prophecies, but in these last days, you've shown him through, you've shown who you are through the person of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. So if he's complete and he is God, he has made us complete in him. So you think about the fall of man, and uh, it's pretty sad, right? Sinful state that man finds himself in. It's called incompleteness. Man was made complete when there was God present in his life, but whenever he denied what God had told him, then he became incomplete. And so that's incomplete. We're talking about, I guess you could say, spiritually, separated from God. He is incomplete morally. Uh, has no standard of conduct. Man does not. And he cannot live up to God's righteous standard. That's what it would be. And he's mentally incomplete because he's incapable of knowing truth. He's incapable. cannot understand the thinking of God. So, spiritually, morally, mentally, and says here in verse 10, well, we're not in 10 yet, but we are made complete in Him. He is God. And uh, so, quite a promise to us. Uh, we become partakers of the divine life, but first, let's look at the sufficiency of Christ. And uh, we already have seen that we have all the treasures, we have all the wisdom and knowledge. Why would anybody want to drink? from the cisterns of the world. I think of Jeremiah chapter 2.13. If we have God Almighty, His Son, and we're in Him, why would we want any other kind of way? Uh, Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have committed two evils. What's that? They've forsaken me, a fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So here it is. He is the living water, and they were going after what? Broken cisterns. Sewage, I guess, versus true, pure water, Christ. Why would anybody want to drink from dirty, broken cisterns, as Jeremiah says there? And that's kind of what uh, Paul is saying here. Why would I want some broken cisterns, the philosophy, empty deception, tradition of men, those kind of things, whenever 
I have the very fullness of God right here. I mean, it, this presents, I believe, this verse 9, probably the glorious majesty of Christ in His complete sufficiency. If He has the fullness of deity, now see, they had like, there would be a God, their teaching would say, there's God, and to get to earth, and this earth is sinful, it's, you know, materialistic, anything materialistic is not of God, so therefore, God can't come here, so He has to send emanations, that would be like angels coming here, uh, to be able to show to mankind who God is. Well, that's the best that it could be. They wouldn't be fully God. They wouldn't even be that. But they're just representatives. And so when Jesus came here, He wasn't really fully God. He had a mixture. You know, there was something really good, but yet He was still a man, and He really wasn't Fully God. Yeah, yeah Bill. says that no darkness can stand before the presence of the Lord, you know, because it will be locked away. And so it's like, how do you take God's presence, how do you take His glory and His His power and bring it to this earth that's full of sin? And it's to cover it up with the flesh so that when people see they see the flesh and Christ acting out the spirit that's in him reveals God. So it's like it's like all of God's glory is like hidden away in by flesh. So it's like when Christ was crucified in the flesh, it's like the punishment was on the flesh and not on really the spirit of God. It's it was obviously Christ felt it all, but it's like the glory of God was in him. It was just, but it's covered by the flesh, you know? Right. Veiled like, in flesh. Right. Uh, what is that? What is the Christmas song? Because, like, on the mountain, no one would allow to go up it because God's presence was up there. God was up there. And so that even with Moses, he couldn't see the Lord's face, otherwise, he would die. But when he came down, he shoved, his face was glowing. And then eventually that, that, that glow faded away. But, you know, it's, so it's always like God's fullness can't come down to earth because it's like righteousness would like destroy everything. So when Christ came, the fullness of God right. was amongst them. Right. And before, it, it, it was to the, the best that mankind could get the way that God would speak through prophets, right. angels, dreams, visions. Hebrews 1 says in these last days, He's revealed Himself through the Son right. in His fullness. Right. Of course, that idea is, is uh, incredible. That, that word for fullness is pleroma. Get this. It's the sum total of all that God is. It's the complete add up everything that God is, all of His characteristics, His nature and everything that is about Him, add it all up, and it's all in full. Every degree 
about what he is. And so uh, none of their belief systems would have a fullness of God in the presence of them. And no religion ever does. Because they cannot conceive of God coming to earth, being a man, and still yet being fully God. Fully God, fully man. No other religion basis has that. That's what the that. trying to explain. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> you're trying to explain yeah. that. You're like, oh, okay. It's, it's, it's so just, short for what yeah, we can understand. You know, because I know Christ, because it said, you know, when he was up on the mountain in the transfiguration, you know, I imagine that moment being Christ, like what he would have looked like after the crucifixion. Before the crucifixion. Because it said that he was transfigured. And I don't know the term for that. I don't know like the translated word for that. But I can imagine it you know it, you know, it's as, it's like what the apostle Saul saw or Peter Paul when before he became <laughs> You know, he saw the fullness of Christ. Isn't that what they saw on the mountain when they were with Jesus? Yeah, it was like peeling back his flesh, in a sense, and they they saw saw the glory of God. Right. Yeah, totally transfigured in that sense. Almost kind of like a picture of after his resurrection, which was to come. Right. But they got a little preview. Right. That's why Peter wanted to stay right there. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the fullness of God. And that is what Paul is saying. In him, all the fullness of deity, the cults have all sorts of problems with that. Because they will never confess that Jesus is God. He is a God. As, as they will, many will say, or is the Son of God, which most will say that. A God means what? One out of many. There's that, how many gods are there? There's really only one. Why are you saying that there is a God then? Well, they can't have him as God, because if that be the case, then Jesus is God. Uh, God is the Father. God also is the Son. God also is the Holy Spirit. One God, but three persons. People deny that. That's the heart of biblical teaching from Old Testament to New Testament especially. So we get this word deity here. The fullness of deity in verse 9. Or... um, do we have any other phrases there? In the fullness of what? In verse 9. For in him all the... Fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead bodily. The Godhead or deity, Godhead, contains the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Godhead, what makes up God, the very fullness of God is in Christ. The word there for uh, Godhead or deity, the fullness of deity, is theates. Uh, Theos is the word for God. So that's related to that. Theates. It means it's Godhead or divine nature. 
uh, go to let's let's look at this deity. Uh, if you ever get challenged, I do want to uh, do a little bit of apologetics with people. They may even say, "I believe in Jesus, but I can't believe that He's God." Well, <laughs> I've got a problem. Where can we go in Scripture? All over the place. Let's just do a few of them here. This is about the deity of Christ. Now these are reminder verses, but they're incredible. In John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in the, in the original Greek, it, uh, it is the God. Not a God, but the God. Right? The Word is the God. It's a definite article in the Greek. You can't read it as one of many. No, He is the God. So, we go to verse 14. And the Word, speaking of the Word, that is with God, was God, is God, the Word became flesh, here we go, and dwelt among us, he lived here among us. And we saw his glory. Who's we? Well, John is an apostle, right? Peter, James, and John saw that glory at the transfiguration. They also saw it after the resurrection. They saw that resurrection body. Uh, anyway, it was the we saw his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Full of. Pleroma. Completely the things of God there. Uh, look in verse 15. John testified about him and cried out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now there John is writing about who? John the Baptist. John, he's already talked about John the Baptist here. And he says, this is the one that John the Baptist talked about. He's a higher rank because he existed before me. Even though he was born after him. In John 8, uh, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am the great I am or self-existent one or Yahweh, self-existent, I am. I was, it's not was, I was. He says, I am. Because he's always been here. Uh, let's see. For of, uh, verse 16. For of his fullness, there we go with that word pleroma again, we have all received and grace upon grace. He says, for of his fullness, we have received. When we receive Christ, we get everything of Him. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. You've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Nobody's seen the Father, but if you see Christ... You see everything that is in the Father. All of it's revealed through the person of Christ. So we see that beauty. 
Okay, now let's go to John. And we did John 8, right? Before Abraham was, I am. Go to John 10. All these are great deity passages. John 10. Um, verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. This is dealing again with the deity of Christ, what he has just claimed. A lot of people said, well, Jesus never ever claimed to be God. Right? I am. I am is going back to the time of Moses and the the, exactly the burning bush. Hey, who do I say you are? He says, I am. Self-existent. That's what what it means. Self-existent. Are we self-existent? No. (laughs) We exist because of God, but He's the only self-existent. I am. Uh, so he says here, I and the Father are one. To the Jew, what does that mean? He's claiming to be the Almighty. Exactly. Now, we may not tell you, oh, you're, you're one, you know, like we're, we're in Christ, right? Oh, we're, we're in Him, you know, okay, I and the Father are one, you know. Hey, we're right in the, we're, we're united together. But it's more than united, it means, the, it means essence. The very essence or the fullness of God. So when you get in that intricate language, and hear it be in Greek, or to them as you say it in their, their language, probably Aramaic, it might have been in Hebrew, but it probably Aramaic. I and the Father are equal. I have His essence. I have God's essence. And He's saying there's two different personalities going there. So, there's uh, chapter 10. Would you, uh, would you say that if, when Jesus told the lame man that his sins were forgiven him, and then the Pharisees said that only God can forgive sin, and he turns with it and tells him that, you know, is it easier to forgive a man of his sin or tell him to pick up his mat and go walk? And honestly, the Pharisees didn't answer, so Jesus turned to the man and said, pick up your mat and go walk. Mm-hmm. Would that, in a way, also say that Christ is claiming to be God? Absolutely. It's a huge statement because who, and it says in that passage there, who alone right. can forgive sins? And everybody would, the Jews and anybody today with any kind of intelligence would say only God can. I think, you know, now the Roman Catholics may differ in that, and that the priest can forgive sins. My son, you are forgiven. <laughs> but we're talking only God can forgive sins. That's a super passage on that. That's another deity passage. Because only God can do that. And what did Jesus just do right there? He forgave the sins. He backed it up by doing the miracle. Right. But the sins is even more important. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, very good one. So, all of these are... Uh, Good what you can use if you need to defend the deity of Christ, that He is God. 
Uh, and there's one after another after another. We're just we're just hitting on a, on a few issues here. Uh, let's go to. Where would be another one? Uh, of course, we have the Colossians, where it says that He's the Creator, who alone can create. Right? And we did that in Colossians one before, so I won't go there. But let's go to Titus, uh, Titus chapter three. Verse 4. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, Jesus' name is what? Savior. Jesus means Savior. When God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, whenever He appeared, He came here. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So you have God, our Savior. Of course, all the triune God is involved in salvation. The Father is, the Son is at the cross, Holy Spirit is in regenerating us and working in our lives. So the whole triune God does this. And so there we get one there where He's called God, our Savior. Uh, let's go to Hebrews. This is one of the ones I think that is just very, very clear. Here he's saying that Jesus is better than anything, anybody. Hebrews chapter 1. He's better than the angels. Ah, that would mean a lot to the Colossians, wouldn't it? For which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten thee. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. He said, Okay, well the father is a little bit higher, but the son is to be worshipped too. Who alone can be worshipped? Only God. Can angels be worshipped? No. So he's better than angels. And that's what he's proven here. And he says, and to which of the angels, you know, does he say, you know, this kind of thing. Here we go. Verse 8 is really key. Look at this. But of the Son, he says, this is God the Father now, of his Son, your throne, what does he call him? Oh, God, is forever and ever. So what is the Father calling the Son? He's calling him what? God. That would be tough to deal with if you say that Jesus is not God. Because the Father calls him God. Keep going. Verse, verse 9. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, look at this, Son, who is called God, your God has anointed you. That's the Father, right? And so you have Jesus the Son being called God. God the Father is God with oil of gladness above your companions. And then in verse 10, this is all from Old Testament, 
quotes too, by the way. You, Lord, and by the way, you know what the word is there for Lord, don't you? What is it in verse 10? It's his personal name. That means self-existent one, or I am. It's called Yahweh, or Jehovah. It's tetragamut. You, Lord, which is, was the, that means God. This is the Father again, in the beginning, laid the foundations of the earth, created, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all become old, like a garment, and like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. So he's eternal. He's a creator, it says in here. Uh, Then he says in verse 13, which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand? Who's at the right hand of God? Till I make your enemies a footstool of your feet. Did he ever say that to the angels? A lot of people would be into angel worship, but no. And he says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? They minister to us. They have a plan that God has made for them, but they are not God. They're are lower than the Son of God. Jesus is God. And it's being said there, right there in Hebrews. Okay. Let's go to... Let's go to Revelation. This is called... I've used this a lot. It's called the first and the last. Cannot... Escape this. We, we, in the Hebrews passage, can we escape that? How, how do people get out of that? They got problems. And I pointed this to people who have come to my door, trying to convert me to their cultic ways. And this is the one that I use, and they never can come up with an answer outside of I will go back and talk to the elders. They never come back. I thought it wouldn't come back for me. Did you? Yeah. Actually came back? I came back in. I was in a hurry, so I didn't have time. Me and Ashley were in a hurry. We were on a bad day. <laughs> bad day. Oh, here we go. This is really good. I am the Alpha and Omega, which means the first and the last. It's the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Where, Alpha. That's... Revelation chapter 8. Revelation 1. This is the first and the last. First chapter of Revelation. Last chapter of Revelation. It says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God. Who's speaking there? God. Who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty Okay, who is speaking? What's the Lord God? The Almighty. This is the highest that one can be, right? I mean, this is the God. If you ask them that, you can say, this is Lord God Almighty, right? And they go, absolutely. Okay, we can say, that's God, right? Yep, that's right. First and the last, right? Because Alpha and Omega means the first and the last. Okay, let's go. We 
from chapter 1, the first chapter, to the last chapter of Revelation. Uh, 22. Here's the context. Verse 12. Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. <laughs> okay, that's all saying the same thing. Alpha and Omega. First and the last. Beginning and the end. The, this is the eternal one. This is God Almighty, right? Who's speaking here? We say, well, that's God Almighty. That, that, is that the same one that said he was the first and the last or the Alpha and Omega back in chapter 1, verse 8? And they'll go, yeah, absolutely. That's the Lord God Almighty. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He can say in verse 12, okay, the, then that's God, right? Absolutely. Okay, keep reading. He gives a blessing in verse 14. He gives a cursing outside of the dog in verse 15. Verse 16, still in the same context. All in the same context. I, Jesus, who's speaking in this context? I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things. For the churches, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. He is the son of David. He's in the line of David. So I'm coming quickly and I'm Alpha and Omega, I, Jesus, as he says right here in verse 16, and all of a sudden you say, okay, Jesus is Alpha and Omega. And they say, oh, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's not the Alpha and Omega. He's not the beginning and the end. He's not the Lord God Almighty. Remember chapter 1, verse 8 says that this is the Lord God Almighty, the Alpha and Omega. We go back to chapter 1 now. Remember, it's the first and the last. So we go first, last, back to the first one. Verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. Now this is John. Whenever he saw Jesus, he's just given a revelation of himself. Okay, And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one and I was dead and behold I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. What has he just said? I died. I came back to life. I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead. I'm alive. I'm the first, I'm the last, I'm Alpha and Omega. You go back to verse 8 and it says, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and is, is to come, the Almighty. Who is the Almighty? Well, it's God. It's Lord. Jesus is the first and the last the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, as identified back in chapter 22, you plug it into here, the one who was dead and came back to life. Who is it? He's God. He is God. That is deity. So with some of those passages, 
that we've dealt with, those people really and truly need to deal with those. They don't have an answer to that, and they won't. Except if they would answer Jesus Christ is God. And that has converted some of those people. Then they have a problem with what they've been taught. It's from and it's from out right out of their own little Bible. Right. So now the fullness of deity. It's you know, and see, Paul is going up against uh, all the uh, cultic beliefs, false teaching, everything else that disagreed with who Jesus is, and he says all the fullness, the pleroma, some total. Of all that God is, is there. And that's what Colossians 2 is. When we went through all those deity passages now, and you come back, you read Colossians 2, as he is countering against their beliefs and their philosophies, and he says, for in him, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity dwell in bodily form. Wow. That word uh, dwells is kat oikeo. Oikeo is dealing with house, home, dwelling, and it, it means to kat is dealing with down or settle down, to settle down at home, to, you know, it's a dwelling, to settle down, be at home. It, the deity continually abides in Christ. He's fully God forever. Deity, Godhead, is all of the nature of God dwells in Him. By the way, when Jesus arose, He had His glorified body. Whatever happened to that glorified body? Yeah. He still has it. And He always will. He, didn't, he was never bound by a body before. But now, and that's great for us because we can understand Him. And we will have bodies, too, that will relate to Him much more than we can even come close to now. We won't be God. We'll be like us. But we'll be like Him, too. So. When you're talking about the dwelling, it makes me think of how the Spirit dwells in us. You know, our bodies are supposed to be a temple for the Holy Spirit. And it's just like, that makes a lot of sense. Like, cause, yeah. Is that the same word? Dwelling? The spirit dwells in us. Is that the same word as... Yeah. Uh, it's like... Uh, uh, it's, it's not the same word as, as tent, tabernacle. He tabernacled among us. But it's really the same idea. He dwelled among us. He lived among, He was right here with mankind. Yeah. And, and so the deity dwells in him uh, in, in fullness forever. Uh, it's always been. It never left. It's always been. So it's to settle down, be at home. Bodily form, he communicates himself wholly to us. I mean, W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely, fully, right? He took on human nature at Bethlehem. He keeps that humanity from... That, that time all the way through eternity. So there is a body that's living in heaven, eternal place. You would think of just where spiritual beings are, but yet there he is in his 
fullness and still in a in a body. Perfect body. The God man. Fully God. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty incredible. Uh, so it says here, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And then verse ten. Look at this. And in him, in Christ, you have been made complete. You know what that is? Same idea. He is completely full of God in Him. Well, we are completely in Him. We have the pleroma, or fullness, a completion has been made in us, a fullness. Uh, well, the John one sixteen we read earlier. So we we see his deity, and then it says one sixteen. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. Of his fullness we are complete. Doesn't seem like it because it is. Yeah. And he's full of grace and truth. We're in him. All that he is, we're fully in him. We're connected. See, they were trying to get the false teachers there, trying to get all the mysteries of the world and the philosophers, trying to get all the answers to the world, why they're here and where they're going and what it's all about without God. And, you know, they might have a little truth here. I, I get the impression that they're trying to tell them you have to do something else to be yeah. like God. You That's like what I'm trying to say. Like the Catholics do. Like right. There's something to, else, something more yeah. that you're missing. Yeah. But once you have Christ, there's nothing else. Now, we have a lot of things to learn. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of that. But I mean, it, you know, if you're a Christian, you have Christ as much as... Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> Anybody else, right? I mean, they, we all have Christ fully. We don't get a little part of Him, and it gets a little bit later. Once we find out some more mysteries, we can get more. A brand new baby Christian has as much of Christ as the most mature Christian that you can think of. So we don't have to complete some little tasks to get more God. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You've got all of Him. Yes. But you can get to know Him more. Yes, and that's what it's about. Well, I course. think a baby yeah. Christian, you can you can see that sometimes better than you can in a right. Christian because there's that so new to them the the fullness of all that and everything they're not going to quickly shut off of their old life and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I said, there's it's very easy to see. Yeah, like I said that there's not just a little bit of sample or something. There's a whole lot going on real quick there to to change that. Person. That's what I like, and it's, so it's not just a sample or. Think of a baby that has been born. It's not like that, okay, they come out with an arm, and then later on they get another arm, and then they get a leg, and then another leg, and then they finally get their head, you know. No, they've got everything they need to mature up, but they've got it all. They've got everything, you know. And so we're born again. We get everything that we we need. Look in... Uh, we get that mustard. Uh, <laughs> there you go. 
and it can grow, can it? Yeah. Second Peter chapter one, verse three and four. I just finished Second Peter. Oh, you gotta like this verse three and four. James. We go here a lot. Hey, here's a great prayer, verse three, two. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay? Grace and peace. That's my prayer for you. Okay, now it says verse 3. Seeing that His divine power, He's deity, right? He has divine power, has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything in this life that we need and godliness is there. Through the true knowledge of Him, once you know Him, who called us by His own glory and excellence, for by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Here we're partakers of God's nature. We're not God, but we now partake of a lot of those attributes that God has. Holiness. Yeah, be holy, for I am holy. Yeah, kindness, goodness, grace, mercy, love, faithfulness, all, you know, all of those things that God is. We also have. Those are called the communicable attributes. Communicated through us. There are incommunicable attributes that we don't get. Certain things that make God that we are not at. But here he, he's saying that we have the fullness of God. Uh, Ephesians 3.19. Same thing. Know the love of Christ which surpasses the knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. The more you know of God, the more that you will feel and experience that fullness of God, even though it's there. We've all received that. So to come to Christ is to come to the one who alone offers completeness. What have they been promising? And here what Paul says is it's only found in Christ. I've got a secret, but I'm going to tell you. It's Christ, Christ alone. Alexander McLaren said, oh, oh, by the way, just to end that last verse there uh, in Colossians, and then we go. It, what does it say? Uh, at, in verse 10, He is the head over all rule and authority. He's at the top. Basic stuff, right? He's over all angelic realm. Jesus is God. God means first, totally, completely, sufficient is Christ. Alexander McLaren wrote this, Why should we leave the fullness of living waters to hew out for ourselves with infinite pains Broken cisterns that can hold no water. All we need is in Christ. Let us lift our eyes from the low earth and all creatures 
and behold, no man any more as Lord and Helper, save Jesus only, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Realize this, Christ is sufficient. That's the idea, being complete in Christ. We'll continue on with that next week about this sufficient Christ. Yep. Boy, is that uh, rather encouraging? When we see how God, through the Son, is elevated like that, and then the very next verse, He says, and you are full and complete. Wow. We need that, don't we? Let's pray. Father, thank You for this uh, time that we've had. This Word that is so precious to us. We need to hear good news like that. That is gospel. It's all found in the person of Christ, our Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.